Hey, what's up, strangers? Long time no talk. I know it's been quite some time since I did a podcast episode, but with life endeavors, things have been quite hectic, stressful, but exciting at the same time. (laughs) This podcast episode is pretty awesome because I get a very reputable salsa instructor that's taught so many other instructors in this community of salsa and dancing in the Phoenix area. And his name is David Orlarte. Great guy, and I don't want to spoil this too much, but we go and dabble into the art of salsa dancing, dancing in general, the, the movements, the connection, and the history of it. And so I hope you guys get something from it because when I was first introduced to the salsa community, it was just welcoming, loving, and a whole new world that you could just dabble into and really see the art in front of your eyes when you had this exchange of energy with someone. Regardless, um, <laughs> I've been quite busy because we've been working on a documentary after we came back from Honduras. And so this coffee documentary is going to be... Actually, well, it's quite commenced right now. And the next stop is Berlin, Germany. Cross my fingers, everything works out. But when you start a project, you got to finish. And that is the reason why I've kind of been MIA for quite some time. But back to this dancing topic, I cannot express how much I love this podcast episode because of the cultural and spiritual significance there is behind the art of dancing, behind the art of moving um, that came with ceremonies and traditions. So check it out. Let me know what you think. Maybe I'll see you on the dance floor. Welcome to Practice Perspective Podcast. Um, I change things up all the time, but cool. just kind of like I initially told you, I just like to get your perspective and how exciting. I've been waiting to get one of my salsa fanatic <laughs> friends on this podcast because I love dancing salsa. Um, I when, remember when, when did you start? Do you remember your first, first memory of, of salsa yes, dancing? Yes, it was my salsa 101 class with... Um, um, Yana? Yana. Yana. Yeah, it was with Yana. Wow. And it was like off a whim. Like, I just came back from LA. I was like officially moved back here. I'm, I'm born and raised here. So, yep. like four years in North Carolina, two mm-hmm. years in LA. Finally come back here because the universe said so. And I was off a of whim. Like, oh, I need to take a class. I got to, you know, fill my schedule. I'll take like an easy class. Oh, yeah, it's also, you know, I could double on that. Nothing, nothing, <laughs> anything of it. And when I took her class, and then she showed me the the, the scene in Phoenix, like mm-hmm. you gotta go to Mikanas, you gotta yeah. go to Busters yeah. and Elks Lodge and all this. I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. This is like, and it's crazy because I've been born and raised here, but I never like dabbled in the the dancing community. Yeah. If I, I was, it would be it wasn't dancing community. It was like you know fist bumping over in Scottsdale or did stuff you, like did, that. Did you dance cumbia with your family? Yes. Okay. Some quinceaneras, yeah, and all that, yeah. Do you remember your earliest time when you danced cumbia? Um, Vaguely, I was at a quinceanera. Okay. Um, I think it was like uh, uh, a friend's sister's quinceanera, and they were just trying to fill, you know, they're trying to fill the the performers, (laughs) and then you know how you quinceanera you have to choreograph a certain scenario, certain dance move. Were you shamalan? No. Okay. No, but um, but no, yeah. So taking Yana's class, the way she taught it, 
um, and then showing me the the dance scene here in in, in Phoenix. I'm yeah. like, oh my god, there's something to salsa. And yeah. I didn't know how much I love to dance yeah. when I started taking it, because um, you know, yeah, yeah. that's uh, we'll probably get into that, but. Well, I, I rem- so you took class with me last semester, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you're, I would say you're definitely a very seasoned dancer. So it's interesting when you see a lot of students come into class, you know, you start uh, you start trying to figure out how you can work with each one individually. And I'd say like with your repertoire, you've got a lot <laughs> of dancing experiences back in your, in your life. So that, it was really easy to work with you. So, uh, I'm, you know, Yana did a good job. And, of course, all those many experiences dancing yeah. Columbia. And did you go dancing in L.A.? Like, L.A.'s pumping, too. Like, there Phoenix was, and pump. Yeah. Phoenix is great, but L.A.'s got a really good scene, too. Yeah, but not as much as I did here in Phoenix. Okay. I was up to Promenade, and um, mm, it was mm. just like, you know, like, oh, yeah. come chime in. Oh, like, yeah. you know. And that was before I took classes to know, this, you know, what I could get into. I could just, like, <laughs> mimic the movements and, yeah. you know, just get in there that way. But yeah. Because it's 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 intimidating. It's different. Uh, it's one thing to go social dancing, or it's one thing to do dancing with the family cumbia, yeah. right? And it's another thing to actually go to a location or a spot that actually has, you know, your, your different types of levels of dancing. Everything from like professionals yeah. to like people who've been studying it, you know, studio studying it for many yeah. years. And then, you know, it, you, if you've never seen something like that before, you're like, wait a second, is this really happening? Like, does this really exist? <laughs> These people that are dancing and they they know how to, uh, you know, dance a full song with all these turns. And, yeah. Uh, you know, all yeah, that. It, yeah. That's not taught. Culture. That's not taught when it's you're not. dancing cumbia. <laughs> it's, it's just not taught. It is not. Yeah. But, um, but no, yeah, let's, let's rewind a bit. So, yeah, I love salsa. I took your class because after being in the salsa community for some time, I, you would hear this name. Oh, you got to go take David's class. Oh, and that guy taught David. Oh, yeah. They're like, who is this David guy? And then, lo and behold, I found you at ASU. Mm. But so, but what what got you into salsa? What got okay. you to want to be a, an instructor and a teacher? And because yeah. you 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 know you pretty much embody this, and you're just mm-hmm. a beacon of this history of not only salsa as you know, dancing and a profession and yeah. the teaching, but the art of it and down to yeah. the cultural. And uh, I'm sure this is going to go down to your, your <laughs> recent research, which I hope it does. But yeah. yeah, tell me way back in the days how you first found this to be your passion and want to pursue this. Well, it, I guess the reason why I asked you when your fondest or your earliest memory of, of cumbia dancing was, uh, for me, I feel like that's like the beginning of the story. I feel like... Um, if someone could really go back and, and remember the experience or the memory when they actually enjoyed or when they remembered dancing salsa. And for me, salsa has many different, uh, there's many different variants. Mm-hmm. I feel like salsa, salsa is just the concept. It's the word. But uh-huh. the dance sees itself and manifests itself in so many different ways. You know, you've got cumbia, you've got song, you've got... Um, you have mambo. You have all these different um, forms of dancing to salsa music. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think my earliest uh, memory, uh, and I think of earliest memories of this connection of like why we love something or why why we're so why we're so passionate about whether it's playing drums or whether it's being a musician. Mm-hmm. For me, it was dancing. I, I remember it really to this to the actual thing that I can actually taste it. I can smell my uncle's um, uh, 
downstairs of his of his home. And uh, it was back oh, in wow. Indiana, Indianapolis. Uh, my parents immigrated from Columbia. Uh, I'm first generation here. Okay. And I remember living uh, in Greenwood, where uh, growing up, uh, you know, we would have every weekend uh, many celebrations, fe- you know, uh, festivities. Um, celebrations where we would get together, uh, all my aunts and my uncles, my, my tios, my tias, my abuelos, my abuelitas, and literally we would uh, uh, get together, eat, dance, eat more, dance some more, almost <laughs> to the point to like four or five or six o'clock in the morning. There's times when oh I remember, wow. I remember we would party on Fridays and Saturdays till you know the next day, mm-hmm. and for us, uh, I think that was, you know, a lot of people talk about uh, immigrant stories and you know, this battle and this tension about uh, learning how to navigate uh, spaces that mm-hmm. are new, that are, uh, uh, that are very counter uh, cultural to where, you know, one's, one's own home is. Yeah. And, and for me, I think our food, our dance and our music was our way of, it was my, was my family's way of finding freedom for them to express themselves. Oh, okay. um, and I think that's where I really got to love my culture. Um, I didn't have the luxury, or I wasn't privileged to be born and raised in a Latin American or a South American, um, you know, country. But the way I was able to come to know my roots and my origins from my family was through those weekend uh, festivities and celebrations. Wow. And also at home, too, because my parents only spoke in Spanish. Uh, they were still learning um, the nuances of their language, the nuances of, like, working, uh, the nuances of, like, you know, finding themselves and also being a parent. Yeah. Um, so uh, for me, my earliest fondest memory of salsa dancing, I remember dancing um, in the downstairs of my uncle's home. <laughs> he was probably putting on um, Joe Arroyo or Grupo Nietzsche. Uh, I, it was probably like, you know, no le pegan a negra. And of course, <laughs> like, you know, we're as, as little cousins, all my, all my primos, we would be dancing like in a circle yeah. or our uncles or aunts would be like kicking us <laughs> into the circle, right? We were basically being learned and forced how to dance with yeah. each other, but at the same time, we were learning how to be with each other, how yeah. to treat each other. It seemed like um, a nice bonding moment. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's always these cultural differences of, you know, you you respect your parents and you respect your families by, you know, kissing them on the cheek and affection mm-hmm. is always there. But then you go to school and, like, there is no such thing as no. affection. Uh, yeah. Your your language is, is foreign. Um, mm-hmm. Everything is foreign. Um, it's, uh, it's like living two different lives or living two different worlds. worlds. Um, so I always felt at home when, when it was either dancing or food, um, and that feeling, esa diente de, de, de Latino or Latina or that, you know, mm-hmm. um, and for me, salsa, it was always integrated as a part of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that was my earliest memory. I always danced it when I was a kid growing up. Uh, even when I went to college, uh, you know, I would say I am westernized when it comes to my brain. Mm-hmm. In other words, my education is from, um, you know, the westernized perspective, but my home education was always uh, non-Western. Wow. Uh, it was always from that um, Latinx perspective. It's into sangre. Yeah. <laughs> Aquí, puro, right in, right in puro your blood. sangre. So yeah. for me, um, you know, there was times when I would put on the music in, in college and like, my friends would pop, pop in. They're like, "Oh, hey, what are you what are you listening to?" And they'd see me going crazy and dancing on top of a table, or, <laughs> or you know, uh, you know. There's brief moments where, like, I would I would put I would put that out there, mm-hmm. 
but um, never to the point where when I went to L.A., I moved out there after I graduated. I remember going to the first, uh, my first Latin club. And for me, Latin club, like, I didn't know those things existed. I mean, I remember uh, in Indiana, we would get together for the festivals and celebrations where you'd bring a band and all your families were there. But those were, were unions for me. Not freaking going to a club that was dedicated to, like, musica Latino. And, uh. like, and you're looking around, and it's, it's everyone that's brown and caramel, <laughs> right? Versus, yeah. like, you know, white people everywhere, which, you know, and for me, like... I was new, you yeah. know, going to California and living in LA, like that was new. I didn't realize that, um, I didn't realize how it felt to be in those spaces. Um, and then seeing people salsa dance, I was like, yo man, that's not, that's not salsa. I dance. Yeah. Like they were dancing cumbia okay. or, or, you know, they were dancing cumbia and they were dancing like salsa on one, which back then salsa on one was really big in Los Angeles. That was back in 1998. Uh, and that's when I realized that, um, I needed to start taking classes because my street dance was not what was being performed in the social clubs. And that type of street, that type of street dance is what we call studio dance. So studio dance (laughs) is, if you want to call it um, the manifestation of, you know, the street going into the, uh, to the studio. So that way now we can start making money. Now we can start teaching the masses. Now you start looking at salsa as a way of life, Mm -hmm. commodity in a way of uh, spreading, um, our salsa dance in different spaces. So it was in college when you went to LA and you saw the difference of them dancing, but yeah. not what you were taught and not what you were doing as yeah, a street dance. Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely in LA where I didn't realize that there was, that there were these turns that you could do like cumbia, or if you want to call it salsa was just about the struggle of like push and pull. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, you know, maybe you're on beat or maybe you're on the same rhythm with someone. Sometimes you weren't, right? But you're just getting down and jamming, right? Yeah. And for me also, it meant that um, I could be, uh, I could get a piece of home away from home. So nice. like I was working for um, oh, Philip nice. Morris at the time. I was, uh, I was a sales marketing manager for Marlboro. And uh, at that time, like I didn't know anyone in California. Um, Marlboro, the, the cigarettes? Yeah, back in, and back in oh, 98, wow. I worked for them for two years, <laughs> and I was peddling cigarettes. <laughs> uh, uh, they were big so in the I, 90s. They, oh, were, man, they led the cigarette it was, um, it was great working with them. You know, I got trained and all that, but after the second year, uh, I realized that uh, it, it was just conflicting values. Like, I realized after a couple of years, like, man, I, I, I can't be selling cigarettes. That's not who I am. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, I quit my job. And I tried, uh, this is when I was in Los Angeles. I tried dancing for a year. It was almost a year. I, I wanted to be a professional dancer. I didn't know what that meant, but all I knew is that like, I had money in my savings and I was going to live it out as long as I could <laughs> in LA and see if I could make it as a full-time dancer. Yeah. Well, nice. that, uh, that, that, plan didn't, <laughs> that plan did not work at all. By about the sixth month, I ran out of money. And uh, I remember I was part of a dance company. I didn't even realize dance companies even existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was back in 2001. And I was part of this dance company called Sion Stylist. And they, uh, they specialize on on-two dancing. So there's this big salsa war discourse that we were talking about a couple days ago mm-hmm. where you have um, salsa one on one and salsa on two. And basically, that means that you're either stepping forward or back on the one or on the two, that type of breaking notion. But back in L.A., it was more than just stepping on one and stepping on two. The body, if you were stepping on one and stepping on two, that meant that you were representing a whole freaking 
you know, um, oh. uh, identity. Yeah. You know, if you, if you stepped forward, that meant that you, uh, that you represented, you know, salsa LA style on one, which was, you know, back then innovated by, um, Francisco Vasquez, uh, Alex da Silva, uh, you had all these L.A. people that coined, or not coined, but really developed and innovated this style and branded it as L.A. style in one. Uh, Salsa Bravo was, was another dance company like that. My director came from New York City, and my director was, uh, he, met, he was mentored by, um, by Attitude uh, and also Eddie Torres. And when he came to L.A., he was one of the very few outside of Mambo, uh, Mike Bello, who taught on tour, Mambo style. Oh, wow. New York City in L.A. So if you can imagine... You walk into a club. I remember going to Sportsman's Lodge back in, geez, 1999. <laughs> and you walk into this place. It was curated by Albert Torres. He was the promoter. Um, and you walk in, and then you see just a sea of people dancing. And I remember I would have to go to a corner, a small little corner, because my, my dance company, who danced on two, there was only maybe like 20 or 30 of us at the time. We had this little corner where we could dance with each other, but everyone else was dancing on one. Oh, wow. Um, you would have... Celebrities there, like uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar would come there with his wife. Uh, you would have um, this integration of, of all different uh, socioeconomic uh, people, and especially in Hollywood. Like, Hollywood can be pretty, uh, pretty showy, right? Oh, yeah. And you have this allure of, like, you're going, to, you're, going to, you're going to go social dancing, but you have no clue who's going to show up. So that was another attraction of it. But for me, personally, to go back to your original question... <laughs> I felt like with salsa, that was the first time that I didn't realize that um, so many people danced in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I felt at home, away from Indiana. And something familiar still. Absolutely. Whether it was different variations and... Absolutely. And, and, and that was my main... Uh, that was my lock. That, that, that's what attracted me. Not to mention I love dancing. But like that was... I was like, oh, damn. Like I have my own community now. Like I have, I have a dance company that I can actually... Like my brothers and sisters, you know, mm-hmm. they, we kind of go through things to each other. We travel and we, we perform and we have this bonding experience. And then you meet other people. And then now L.A. doesn't seem like, you know, uh, a multimillion, uh, uh, you know, metropolitan city. Now it's smaller. Um, and it's amazing how like um, a style of dance or even just a cultural practice can help make these spaces more, more um, um, invitable slash um, you become a part of the community. I didn't realize that was even possible. Yeah. I didn't even know. It was, and I, in looking back, I didn't know that that was even happening. Yeah. I just thought, oh, this is, this is life. Everyone does it. Yeah. And something you resonated with, so you stuck around. Absolutely. And, I, yeah. I was like, okay, this, this is what happens. You move to LA, and then you become part of the salsa scene. <laughs> <laughs> or you move to a city, and like, yeah. you just find you know, who's dancing. You find the places where they are, and then you know, that's how you get integrated to a community. And that's yeah. how... You know, you work, you work during the day, you make money, and that's how you survive. And then at night, you salsa dance. <laughs> nice. Nice. You can't beat that. Oh, and, and I did that for so many years. Like, um, Well, six months until your savings ran out? Yeah. So six <laughs> months, uh, savings ran out, then I had to find another job. And that's when I started working for a pharmaceutical company. I was in a, I was in a marketing, sales marketing for them for about 13 years. And um, I even went back. To um, I went to back to UCLA. I was thinking about going to pre med, and uh, and I was thinking, hey, this is my life. Like I'm gonna work in oh, corporate man, world. UCLA. I'm gonna work. I'm gonna work corporate world. And you know what? If it's not corporate world, maybe you know. I love this whole element of going back to school. I loved 
elements of research. Mm-hmm. Um, I even thought about maybe going back and getting my pre-med. So I went back. I did two more years uh, to prepare myself for that. And I was thinking to myself, what am I doing? <laughs> like, uh, you know, what am I doing? I, I, uh, uh, I, I felt a little lost. And that was back in 2006. And I remember my company was like, yo, listen, we have a great opportunity in Phoenix. And that was a time when uh, L.A. was going through a really weird um, transition. All the uh, salsa artists in 2004, 2005, 2006 were moving to Europe because they were getting paid more. Um, what I thought was the L.A. renaissance of salsa started really coming down again. A lot of the uh, dance companies had disbanded. And I thought, you know what? Uh, I'm going to move to Phoenix. And that was back in 2006. There was an opportunity here to come work. And when I came here, the scene was not like L.A. Uh, it was smaller. Uh, it was a big cultural change. You remember change. What, what year was that, that was? That was 2007. 2007. So I remember coming here. And back then, um, I remember Mario was still uh, uh, Mario, who does, uh, who does Friday nights at Mijana's. Uh, he, he was doing uh, Friday nights at another location called Olive Branch. Uh, this restaurant down the street off of Mill. And that was the hot spot back then. Also, Club Red was another hot spot on Sundays. Uh, and each <laughs> club was promoted by um, a certain uh, practitioner, if you want to call it community member. For example, uh, Mario really just enjoyed putting these events together. He was also the first one to put together um, the salsa festivals that used to happen every year in, in Uptown and in, in Scottsdale. Uh, he would bring... Uh, well, I think he, I salsa think he, festivals? Salsa festivals. So I remember the, the first Arizona Salsa Festival. I think he called it the Arizona Salsa Festival. He brought t- uh, Tito Nieves. Uh, I'm sorry. He brought Tito Rojas. Uh, and he brought a couple other um, uh, Latin musicians. Um, and it was pretty big. It was a pretty large festival. That was like in 2008, 2009. Uh, but long story short, coming here, I remember the majority of people that danced here was dancing on one. And um, there weren't that many people that were dancing salsa on two, New York style. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started teaching uh, uh, one person how to dance on two out of necessity. So that way we could have more people dancing mambo. And then one person became another. And then another person was like, yo, listen, why don't you, you know, start <laughs> up a class? And that was in 2007, 2008, something like that. And one class became a dance company, and I started Stilo Dance. And it was only me and three girls. Um, I remember it was Jen, uh, Veronica, Erika, and then who's the other one? Tanya was there, too, as well. And then uh, one thing led another. And I just feel like, um, you know, when it comes to artistry, I feel like artists, sometimes you know what you need to do. Like, you, like sometimes, you know, you know that if you're a musician, you know that... Um, that is your vocation, and there's certain elements of being a, a musician that, um, that play a part in what that role is. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was just looking to develop the community by just getting more people to social dance out there. Mm-hmm. Like, that was my main intention. I didn't realize I was going to create a dance company. I didn't realize that, you know, I was going to choreograph. That just kind of came out of the necessity of just, a, you know, doing one thing and one thing leading to another, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost kind of following your intuition, but also just like being, you know, comfortable with where you're at and you're letting your environment lead you if you're you know, already comfortable in the situation you're in to yeah. gradually progress into, yeah, I, I, I guess, feel a career. Like, I feel like um, the community, participating in the community is very interesting in the sense that, um, 
you can either be inside or outside, mm-hmm. right? If you're an insider, then you start looking at ways that you can uh, incorporate yourself and playing multiple different roles, right? And I think within the salsa community, there's different ways that people participate. Um, there are those that uh, just want to learn and grow and have fun. Uh, there's some that don't, yeah, you know, it's for them, studio's not the place to learn. <laughs> for them, it's just, hey, I just want to be with my boys. I want to go hang out yeah. and have a good time. Um, I think for me, um, I, I dove in deep. Um, I really loved uh, being able to create choreography uh, with Latin jazz music that, like, really just um, um, kind of moved me, yeah. uh, right? After one choreography and the other, you know, like after you make one uh, one piece, right? Yeah. You start hearing people's responses and, you know, uh, whether it moved them or like, you know what? They really appreciated certain things that you yeah. put into your work. And then that inspired me to make more work. And um, That's I feel amazing. Like the, That's awesome. Yeah. And I feel like the community, yeah. um, the community can help support artists mm-hmm. inadvertently or in a very indirect way. Um, it's crazy how contagious right? it is. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like there's there's ways where I've, I've seen some artists come within the community and they attack it, and they attack it very aggressively. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Phoenix, the community is so um, it's so strong. Yet at certain areas of it, you know, we're st- we still have that small town vibe, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And um, and we know that we need people to come and support because that's that's the um, that helps with the vibrancy of what we're doing. But at the same time, I've seen artists come. And they forget to adjust or to like um, maybe ab- observe a little bit and know that maybe they're not in LA or New York City or other cities where in those cities, for, you know, to survive, you have to approach it that way. Yeah. I think here in Phoenix, it's just, it's a different vibe. It's yeah. a different, um, it's a different way of, of finding home or finding place within the community here. Yeah. And I think it's the same way with, with our salsa, um, our salsa community. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, because I came in very unfamiliar. I was yeah. like, whoa, I am from here, but I've never seen this. You know, I've seen, you know, these cornfields just get, you know, <laughs> to shreds and have these housing developments. And then yeah. they're renovating downtown. And then, and so it's crazy to me, like being like an outsider looking in on the, the dancing community. I'm like, yeah. we've had this all along? How long? How long? It seems like it's been in for a while. Like it's, it's since 2007. It's, you know, even before 2007, like uh, I know Sean Sally was one of the big um, uh, salsa instructors that really helped pave the way for, if you want to call it, um, creating the, the economic vibrant, the economic. Um, he really, he was one of the first ones to actually start teaching and starting like the socials every Sunday. And that was back like in 2000, 2001. Um, and then you had, I believe her name was, let's see, and I'm, I'm reaching back. Uh, her name, okay, we have Larry Caves that was teaching ballroom at ASU, but we had another, uh, Brenda Smith. And Brenda Smith does uh, Dave and Busters on Wednesdays and, and, and Sundays. But she used to teach at ASU and she was another way of, of uh, of students to access what salsa blonde? dancing was blonde older older uh, elderly yeah. blonde woman oh my yeah. gosh she's and, hilarious and she, teach, yeah. and she teaches with her younger son too she loves Jason. Mo- oh yeah yeah she she always talk about her son so oh, a lot man. of the OGs like I'm talking people that were our generations or younger generations that learned salsa yeah. and I feel like there's this generational thing with salsa dancing right you get into it you love it you know you 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 build community you meet mm-hmm. friends and then maybe you get married and then if you get married 
you know, sh- there's a shift in values. <laughs> there's a shift of priorities. Oh yeah, for sure. And then like sometimes it's like, yeah. yo, I, you know, I probably won't even see one of the OGs or like one of the old school cats come in. And when I do, when I do run into someone, I'm like, yo, listen, what's going on? Where you've been? And then you know, you have to catch up because oh, yeah. they either I'm have sure. kids, they've been married, yeah. maybe they're traveling. So I feel like um, there's generations that pass through the communities. Mm-hmm. Some stay and some kind of going in and out, just depending mm-hmm. on life. Yeah. Uh, which I think that's the beauty of it because you can go into the salsa community, be really hardcore about it, really go and, and do the circuit, go dancing every night, go to all the classes. Mm-hmm. And then maybe take six months off because you're, you got to travel, you got to do work. You have a and kid. then you come back in, it's like nothing ever changed. Yeah, that's amazing. Some of the places may have changed, yeah. but like same faces. No, you're totally right. I got a little taste of that because um, I mean, not as to a generational extent, but you know, sometimes I'm busy. Yeah. But I've made friends when I first started constantly going to these salsa events and these 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 socials, and um, I made so many friends that yeah. I did not know it was going to happen. They were just regulars, like, oh, I've seen you here. Oh, you know, and then we catch up and we're talking. And um, no, you're totally right. It's it's nice how it's just a nice, loving, welcoming vibe. Absolutely. And and you could come in, you could dance, uh, and you know, have a good time with your friends. Uh, not dance for a while, and then come back and then they still accept you like oh yeah, yeah we, we, we learned some new moves this is what i learned and it's 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 nice i like it there's um you were talking about the shifting of um you were talking about uh the changing of of the city the way it kind of changes when there's you, you see new buildings coming up mm-hmm. i feel like there's there's um we call it like um societal movement you know there's certain areas and pockets in the city that start getting more traction mm-hmm. whether it's like you know uh, you're talking about there's like um there's a couple of places popping up with uh new venues to like show art installations oh, yeah. i feel like downtown's becoming very vibrant oh, yeah. back then you didn't go social dancing if uh you know when i first moved out here unless you went to club downtown and club downtown's been a fixture forever talking about street salsa but not just salsa cumbia, cumbia. reggaeton um, they have four, four huge, different yeah, levels. Four levels. Oh four yeah. Different, yeah, we're not even talking about. I mean, I think about if you say like who in Phoenix represents the salsa community, mm-hmm. I would say like the biggest representation is all those that go to club downtown and even all those that we don't even see like at the Deuce every Thursday mm-hmm. or even at the Elks Lodge or even at um, I would say even at a, a, a Dave and Buster's. We're ta- I mean, there's even like the unexplored West Side, even South Side, mm-hmm. where people are dancing cumbia, where people are, you know, are are probably just celebrating, having a good time with their families in smaller like venues that we don't even know about. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Like I would say that's probably maybe eighty percent of the people that dance salsa in Phoenix, and oh, wow. then you 80%. probably have the twenty percent of those. You know that maybe go to the Deuce on you know every Thursday, um, <laughs> or even those that you know go, uh, that go to uh, the Elks or even um, Dave and Buster's, because I feel that with Phoenix, I, I think there are still opportunities to really um, bring all those communities together, and I feel like with Deuce, you've been to the Deuce, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So like for Deuce, like I mean, it's we're in our second year, um, and our goal I know with me and Sam is just to really make it a place that's that's very inclusive, that uh, the environment is really rich uh, and and available for people that don't know anything about salsa, whether you're Latino or not, yeah, you can come that's in. Big, yeah. You can come in, you can hang out, mm-hmm. uh, you can play um, you can play foosball, you can even play ping pong, but at the same time you can kind of get a taste of what's happening. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, that's a great environment for the beginners that are yeah. too, sh- you know, a little too shy to just jump right in head first. Because I'm always 
twisting my, my friend's hands. Like, dude, you got to try this out. This is good. It's all right. There's going to be people just like you that don't know anything, yeah. but it's still a good time, you know? And this is why you should, I'm always stressing, go to the classes, go to the classes, because it's going to teach you the basics of what you could dabble with and yeah. be comfortable in your comfort zone with what you dabbled with. Um, and sometimes it works. Sometimes you're like, all right, yeah, let's do it. And I got, I got my roommates to go out there like, actually, I had a good time. I never <laughs> expected it. But, yeah, um, I, I think that's the tough part. Um, the fun part is bringing new people in. I think the hard part is that when you're a beginner, knowing that everyone kind of starts at the same place. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, my, I think the, the things that always kind of uh, uh, create or generate questions for me is how do we get more people to stay? How do we get more people to be even engaged and come and just know that you don't have to, and this is the tough part, when you go in these spaces that are the non, uh, when you go to the spaces <laughs> like the Deuce or Elks Lodge, you know, how can I make the space, even the dancing space, even more available for those that don't know how to dance? So mm-hmm. even like the basics are important, but sometimes like, how do we get people that don't know the basics to realize that just the most important part is getting asked or asking mm-hmm. and knowing that if you get on st- that if you get into that space of dancing, you know, you don't have to, you can calm down all the anxieties yeah. and, and the fears and the dialogue that's saying, yeah. yo, um, don't go out there. Those are just that space is only for professionals. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, that becomes the big, the big, for me, the, the issue and the concern is that we're kind of getting, the classes are important. The, um, the phrasing, the phrases are important, mm-hmm. but to what extent, to the point where we create more exclusive or we, we create more of a, of a bigger gap between those that know and that don't know. Mm. Because for me, those that don't know, you know, I feel like that is where, and I feel like anything with culture and anything with artistry, it's not about, um, you know, how do we create a community and how do we create a cultural vibe that brings in more people so that way the sustainability of the art can continue. Oh, wow. Yeah, I love that. I love that approach and that that focus because that's, that's a big one because, I mean, I've felt it. I'm like, oh, I'm stuck at intermediate. I'm going to stay on this side because the instructors are dancing on that side. Right, <laughs> I right. I want to keep my confidence up. I'm going to dance as far away from them as I can. Absolutely. <laughs> and and, and so, the hard part is, you know, if you're an instructor, if you've taken three or four, you know, semesters of class or you've yeah. been, you know, training, you know, how can you make it a practice to walk around the edges See those that are sitting mm-hmm. and ask them to dance. And knowing that the response is going to be this. You know, I, I just came <laughs> here with my friend. He pulled me along, same, you know, yeah. the same thing, you're t- that same story. Yeah. And going, hey, listen, no worries. Hey, just let's just get up there and let's just have a good time. Yeah. You know? And for me, those memories, those experiences are just as important than the ones where you have, like, the best dance of the night. Mm-hmm. Where you're, it's jiving, you're, you're dancing with your favorite dancer, mm-hmm. right? Um, those are just even more important because, um, you know, I always go back to the first time that I learned how to dance. How many times can we create that first time for other people that night? Oh yeah. Can that also be a part of the practice of being a salsa dancer Mm -hmm. or just being a person in general? Yeah. Um, being the first for many people. Cause I, I, I feel that if, if we're going to progress, you know, as communities, even participants, or even outside of the communities, for me, that that exchange, that social exchange, is being lost. Mm. The social exchange that I feel like is so crucial that I think partner dance and salsa dancing helps in is learning, is learning how to be comfortable and confident within ourselves that we can have an exchange, and that our body, and not so much our our vocal bo- our vocal communication body. 
can help us create meaningful experiences that um, are long lasting and that can create bridges. Because for me, the bridges are important. Yeah. The music can be the bridge, right, of communication. And for me, the dance is just as important. So yeah. like being able to ask someone that you don't know, like I feel like we're losing that. And then also some people, it's not so much losing it, where some people I think can gain so much from learning about our culture. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I think about Phoenix, who we're still trying to identify who we are as a community, I feel like that can help us find elements of who we are. Because Phoenix is not all Latino. Uh, but there's a big presence of us here. Yeah. And I think that... Um, there's indigenous communities. There's so many communities that I feel that are being underrepresented based on who's in, who's in our state office and who's running the show really yeah. with, with, uh, uh, with government and laws and regulations and whatnot that are actually preventing movement, our, our, our movement of, of people mm -hmm. you know, into our state. I feel like uh, our identity, we're really at that impasse where I feel like we can really create that identity of who we are. And a lot of it is just the way we socialize with each other. Mm -hmm. and how we exchange with each other. And for me, that's the art. Uh, the partner work is, 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 the actual, um, uh, is the actual medium. Yeah. But for me, it's the art of socializing with someone. Yeah. And for me, if we know how to do it with our hands and we learn how to not just lead and follow, but we learn how to exchange, man, like, I feel like that, um, that is for me like the most important part of the deuce. Uh, I think other promoters and other instructors, the way they create their, their, um, these spaces, mm -hmm. There's different ways of, of negotiating that and, and making that available. But I feel that um, with the deuce, with the environment, with the actual whole, I think there's spaces where we can make that conducive. Um, I will, I and will hopefully just... when people go there, they can feel that. They can sense it. They actually can. I think they, they, they do. And, and they can yeah. see it. They, We're like, they whoa. They see it. They taste it. They sense it. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. It, and it's not about performing. Mm -mm. It's not about, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm performing this salsa dance and I want to get, uh, it's not the likes now that, that, uh, that we're seeing in social media. For us now, it's, we have a two-hour timetable of, of getting people to see us and maybe we get recorded and that's not what it's about. But it's become that. I think, yeah, too, yeah, I mean, it's going to be something different for everybody, but, but this is awesome. I, I will... I will assist you in this mission and <laughs> <laughs> making sure this community is, you know, thoroughly driven to not be so shy to have these exchanges with each other of, yeah. and you said, it, I think you just, you said it just right. It's, um, it's the medium. It's a beacon yeah. of not only partner work, but that exchange of being the first yeah. for somebody like, oh, let's come up and dance. Oh, it's just dancing. Come on. Cause that's actually really helped me out a lot too. Yeah. I mean, I've had like, you know, a little bit of rhythm just cause of my Spanish blood, but yeah. You know, I, you know, there's things I got to work on. And then for, I think, not only performers, I think just an individual person, we're so harsh on ourselves. Like, yeah. oh, no, you got to yeah. get this right. Like, no, this is not what they're doing, so don't do mm. that. And it's like, all right, it's okay to say you don't know. It's okay to be nervous mm. as long as you get out there and, and, you know, you enjoy the time of what's going on. And, and there's so much more than just dancing. Uh, it's cultural exchange. It's exchange of ideas, of identity. It's mm -hmm. creating a space of expression, which mm -hmm. I really love. I did not know that. Um, getting in a flow state of mind of just like, once you reach a certain level, you're just like, you feel really good and like you're not even thinking about it. You're just acting on impulse, but it's at the right time. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh my God, there's something much more going on here. 
uh, especially with dancing. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started to learn, like, oh, wow, this is not just dancing. It's not just salsa. This is, it's a weird, and I love one of your guests that you had at, at your class, um, that she really um, exuded this as well. Like, dancing is a, a medium of something more spiritual. And yeah. you, we could try to deem it with whatever you can with the words and phrases and terminology, but sometimes you can't really verbalize it to that extent because it's something that's much more primordial. It's much more, you know, spiritual than that. And that, that exchange is that, that should be treasured. It should be sacred. It should be recognized that there's something much more than just fleshy humans dancing around. Yeah. It's, um, it's, you know, it's cultural engagement. It's, it's something more than that. So I read something where salsa is a way of life. And I, I feel like you described the way of life. Um, it, it is spiritual. It's flesh. Um, you get into the state where you are in the flow of the music. We haven't even talked about the music of it. Mm. Like where the music could even take you to. Yeah. Um, and there's this call and response. Uh, there's this indigenous element, but yet there's this um, mod, you know, modern element uh, yeah. of it um, where... Everything is just a hybrid of, of who we are because we're we're also hybrids, you know. We're we're also, um, you know, learning and growing uh, in the city. We're we're adding different elements to who we are. Uh, yes, we are Latino, we are Latin, or you're non-Latino, but you still are many different elements. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like uh, the dance has so many different ways to help us remind us of who we are and the type of life that we have. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's um, it's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's interesting that going deep into the intellectual part of it has been very rewarding. And I think I have to, and I think when you get into the intellectual part of it, I always feel like there's this element of like, you have to balance between intellectual and having fun. Because when, <laughs> because when we get down oh, to yeah. it, yeah, we're just having a good time. Like yeah. we're dancing, we're having a, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're probably leaving all the, the things that we had that week where there was like, work, whether it was like, you know, relationship spats or whatnot. And that is the one place that we can go and we can let it all go away and we can just be free. Yeah. Um, and then at the same time, like one can look at it and go, man, there are so many different things that are happening <laughs> in that space. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's the beauty of it. Salsa is so, um, it's so wide open. It is. It is wide it is. open. Wide open and, and uh, available for many people. Oh, we'd like to welcome so many people, strangers. But, um, but oh, man, yeah, we could keep going on. I guess I want to transition from here. Um, so you're doing a lot of research. Yes. You're, you're, you're wrapping up your dissertation? Um, yeah, so I'm in my second year. And when you, when you say the word dissertation, automatically my, my body has, a, has, this, <laughs> has this shock value of that <laughs> I'm going to be in this cave for about two years, my next two years of my life. And um, yeah, I, I'm going to start working on that next year. Um, okay. I, I, um, my dissertations, I'm trying to narrow the focus down, but a lot yeah. of it's looking at... Um, well, in preparation for my dissertation, I've been reading a lot about salsa histories and origins and yeah. uh, where salsa travels. Um, and then from there, trying to find trying to find a place where I can add to the literature. So when you're doing your, your doctorate, they always say uh, when you get your, when you get into grad school, you mm-hmm. get your master's to master your subject. And then when you get your doctorate, your doctorate is where you start looking at where your contribution is within scholarship or within the industry. 
And that's where I'm at right now. Um, you know, I just went through this past semester and this past year reading other scholars of salsa. And here's the thing, like, you would have asked me five, six years ago, David, you know, do you know, do you know anything about salsa scholarship? I'd be like, what are you talking about? Salsa scholarship? There's no, there's no <laughs> one writing about salsa. Yeah. In reality, there is, there is um, a quite a bit of scholars out there that have already been researching salsa wow. uh, for, for years. Uh, and it's interesting. If you look at salsa scholarship, it started with music. So you have more ethnomusicology or ethno... Um, uh, musicologists that are looking at salsa have been looking at salsa back in the day in the 70s and 80s. Oh, okay. In the 90s, that scholarship has been moving towards now um, an anthropolo- uh, anthropolo- anthropology, sociolo- yeah. sociology perspective. Now you're looking at researchers that are looking at um, neoliberalism and elements of, of, uh, of modernism and postmodernism and how that's been affecting salsa practice uh, with regards to... Um, Changing communities, migration—they call it transnat, uh, trans uh, migration—where they're looking at salsa and its effects or impact on communities, and, and looking oh, at wow. cultural identity. Uh, a lot of Stuart Hall's work uh, up in, uh, in in Europe, looking at how cultural identities uh, are so packed, uh, and yet they continue to um, uh, change depending on everything from socioeconomic, uh, gender. Um, and then now, in the, in the 2000s, you have scholarship that's moving towards movement. And now scholarship is moving towards dance. Uh, and that's where I feel like um, that's where I have to start searching. That's where my journey starts yeah. uh, in this next two years is where I'm, I'm going to contribute. And what I realize is this. Um, I don't know where. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to contribute. <laughs> but what I've seen is, um, one, I was so naive um, thinking that, you know, salsa, its origins, uh, when we think about salsa, um, a lot of people trace its origins to New York City in the 40s and 50s with the Palladium Mambo, and some people also, and you can trace it back to Cuba. In Cuba, you have uh, the son, which is really the music that we're dancing on. The son, um, and that's like late 1800s, early 1900s, when you started having really um, the first uh, the first traces of um of a, of a, if you want to call it globalization, where you had now uh, um, um, uh, products being you know sent uh, throughout the Latin Americas okay. and and um, and also South Americas from from um, colonizers and those that were really um, um, exploiting, exploiting those uh, islands that had all these uh, different types of of, of, um, of products. Those sailors were also taking the music, the mm-hmm. song. And that's where you had the song going all the way to Latin America, Mexico, and even all the way to uh, South America. And that's where the song started getting into cumbia, right? Mm. When, when you had now immigrants in the 40s and 50s going to New York City, then you started having another, if you want to call it, origin trace. Um, so I think of origins or historical traces of salsa more as yeah. events because just like in Mexico City and Cali, and in other cities had mm-hmm. events that you had musicians go, hey, this song's pretty interesting. They're going to add, they're going to add, um, you know, a cascara. They're going to add the flute. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to add all these different pieces. Those pieces are different in every country. Yeah. And in New York, um, the, you know, everyone talks about the Palladium, but that's the Palladium was very significant in, in its advent for mambo and even performance salsa mm-hmm. or performance mambo. 
And then we also have like the birth of salsa in the 70s from La Fania, terming it the word salsa. So when you talk about all these origins, um, it's pretty amazing that, you know, now you start understanding why um, Grupo Nietzsche sounds the way they do because they're in Colombia. Now you understand Mm -hmm. why Oscar de Leon sounds the way he does because, you know, those traces when they went to Venezuela had a different formation to it. Uh, That's why, you know, when you go to Mexico or Mexico City, that has a different... There, there are some different sounds with with uh, with the orchestration that's happening there. Vice versa, you know, uh, and there, and then of course you have its own lineage in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Miami has its own salsa sound. Uh, you know, Chicago had a big, huge immigrant um, uh, population from Puerto Ricans and also Cubans that, uh, and even Colombians that went there. Even uh, even L.A. has its own different lineage with you know um, the the immigration uh, from those from Mexico. Um, what I realized is that there was more to discover <laughs> with regards to the journey of how yeah. Latin sound ends up in different places of the world. Because yeah. now salsa is not in the States. Salsa is in Japan. Salsa is in every country in this whole world. Yeah. And what we think of ownership, when you hear salsa, you're like, yo, man, that, that is my rasa, man. That is my <laughs> moose. That's my music. That's yeah. me. Yeah. You know? And um, what's interesting is we're we're now the minority in salsa dancers. The, the major, and when you think of like globally, isn't that crazy? We're what? the minority yeah. now. It's kind of hard to that we get like a cognitive dissonance. Like, nah, that's not true. Get to, get out of here. But there is some in terms of salsa. In ter- I just, yeah, um, I think of it as a, like one can say the same thing that the progression or the journey of salsa is very similar to jazz. I see that. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and it's interesting because even as the music as the music had its journey, so did the dance. So the dance movement, the codifications, and the gestures, the evolution, the yeah. way we're even spaced together. Son mm-hmm. was very apretado, like mm-hmm. very close. And that's why, you know, you see even, you know, um, the way we use space in a club, like all that has also origins just as important as the origins of what you hear through the sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of scholars that have really gone deep into that. Um, so to answer your question, like, what am I going to be looking? I, I'm st- <laughs> I've still yet to know where I'm going to add a scholarship. But what I'm thinking is, uh, it might be more reflective mm-hmm. of uh, of what I see with regards to trends, and maybe like how we are, how we're navigating the spaces of salsa, and even how we're navigating the music and how our bodies are navigating navigating it. Because for me, like you, you're talking about the embodiment mm-hmm. of different uh, different elements. I'm really curious about how our bodies are uh, are changing, how we're adapting, how we're maybe surviving with uh, social dance as a mechanism, and more importantly, like what are these new generations doing with it? Oh yeah. Because I think about practices and even like music and the way we do things. You know, I'm like in. I'm probably fourth generation or maybe even like, I know I'm second generation or third generation down the line with regards to uh, the passage of knowledge. But I think about as I'm phasing out, because really the, the, what's more important is the new generations and, and how they take on to it. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because if they don't take on to it, <laughs> yeah. it's just going to be reggaeton and, <laughs> and, you know, electronic music. And yeah. which I'm okay with, like I'm all right with that. Yeah. Dancing is dancing. Yeah, but me, like, like. But there's well, still something that, like, tradition and ceremony and that you know, that intimacy that once 
that one once had. We don't want that to dissipate. You don't want that to go. And I totally understand that too because dancing, you know, we see it, you know, these these rappers are doing ridiculous dance moves, you know. Yeah. Dancing is a part of our DNA. We yeah. our bodies want to move, whether it's, you know, physical aggression of exercise, training in jujitsu or or dancing, you know. I think this movement is a part of us and it's gonna evolve regardless. But I totally understand of like don't lose the 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 treasure, the meaning of how this movement became about how our ancestors upheld it, how they conducted it, yes. their perspective on what it was. Because I could, I mean, I remember in a sweat lodge, um, I, I love, like, I'm realizing I love ceremonies. I love this stuff. And I, I kind of want to be that person to help a, the community, or at least Phoenix, realize how beautiful ceremonies could be. And uh, when I was in a sweat lodge, you know, I was chanting with uh, my, uh, my Apache friends. Um, oh my God, it was tough stuff. But they would sing songs to kind of like bear through the mm. sweat mm-hmm. and and yeah. the heat. And I remember like I don't want to say it was a vision, but like like this song like got to me like really deep, and I like went deep within myself. And I felt like I was like at a ceremony like like I don't know how many years ago, and like mm. I felt like I was like with either my ancestors or with their ancestors. But I, I felt like oh my God, like. The drumming and the singing and the and you know just kind of being hysterical a little bit, I, I kind of channeled like a little vision where I was like, oh my gosh, this is why they have these ceremonies because it's like a, a, a chance to be right back with your ancestors, like they never left. They're in the music. They're in our our movement. To I mean, we have power. We we create the space and we put meaning in the space. And so when we put meaning in the space in the movement and music, we create somewhat kind of. Passionate ma- magic, and and so I'm like, oh my god, I love salsa. It is like magic, <laughs> it, 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 it's magic, it's ritualism, it's it's ancestors. The timeline of it is yeah. is irrelevant when you're when when we erase the element of time, and you're bringing in all these voices of ancestors and generations. You're talking about that sweat lodge. There is for me, there is no difference. I see them as equally important. The sweat lodge. And that sense of community and, and the ritual yeah, of that yeah. versus the ritual of going to, you know, a spot, a salsa club uh-huh. and sharing in that and becoming crazy and allowing your, yeah. your true instinctive nature yeah. to, to be a part of the living legacy of what's already been established. Yeah. And, and what happens if that gets cut off? Like, like what happens if there's no one mm. to pass that along? What happens when those with the source of knowledge gets phased out and the younger generations don't take on? Yeah. That practice. For me, that is the biggest fear. Because I, I mean, I'm sure you probably, you know, that, that sense of who, the, the connection, the deeply connection of, of you with earth, with this whole universe. Mm-hmm. And even more importantly, the, the, the beauty of how you say hi to someone, the, the way you hug someone, the way you're really sharing your center, your yeah. spirit, your soul with someone. That, that, that's the beauty about rituals. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of that type of ritualistic practice that even though it's social, mm-hmm. ritual's ritual. Yeah. yeah. So let's hope we cannot <laughs> let this die out. We need to share the wisdom and, and the ceremony. And the, yeah. Yeah, that's one of my biggest fears too. Not only just for, you know, the dance community in salsa, but just ceremonies and rituals in general, you know. I, I did a lot of traveling when I was in the military. Yeah. All over Europe, I went down to Mexico, tried to find my roots, you know, get in touch with my, my, my roots and my ancestors. And um, what I realized in 
I mean, I'm not saying the states, they don't have ceremonies and rituals, but definitely not in the sense of how those, the Indios and mm-hmm. Native Americans and, you know, yeah. the, the minorities of actually dancing around the fire actually conducted a ceremony and ritual. And then, you know, that's when I started looking at, you know, brujaria and, and, and witchcraft. And, like, I had a, I mean, maybe it's a convoluted epiphany, but I remember making salsa one time. And I was, like, trying to, like, like eating chip salsa, not dancing salsa. Like, I was making a salsa and throwing some cilantro, doing some different variations. And then I finally perfected the batch to share with my family. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I think, like, this is nothing but witchcraft. You know, they dealt with herbs and spices. Yeah. Um, as remedies for the body. And and so that's when my perspective changed it a little bit. I'm like, oh, man, maybe mm-hmm. this witchcraft, brujaria, you know, is not devilish as what I assumed it to be. And then that's when I started getting all these yeah. weird books about alchemy and esoteric knowledge and really diving in the Bible. I'm like, there's mm-hmm. some weird stuff going on here if we change our perspective about Absolutely. things. Absolutely. I, I think you bring up a really important part for artists, and that is uh, how, especially Latino artists or Latinx artists, this element of what's been erased in our culture, mm-hmm. what's been um, put under the rug, what's been uh, categorized as devilish, mm-hmm. um, anything that is um, non-eurocratic. Um, you know, I think about all the knowledge, all the text or non-text. For us, it's non-text. Indigenous is non-text. Mm-hmm. Or even text, you know, um, that is not of English or not of any uh, colonized language. And I, and if, which is probably even, which is probably even outdates all the knowledge in your, in European uh, civilization <laughs> is, you know, Latin American also, and even the word Latin American is even uh, colonized <laughs> as well. Yeah. So I, I think what you, what you bring up is so important. Like how do we, how do we really um, investigate for ourselves, you know, knowledge, that is a part of us, mm-hmm. knowledge that parts, that, that's a part of our uh, DNA, uh, our bodies. And, and then how do we bring those back to, you know, a world that, that, that we have to start integrating those practices back because it's important for yeah. us to understand and acknowledge that that is knowledge just as important than the knowledge that, you know, is being taught from a bureaucratic perspective. Yeah. And it's sad because I think there, there's been a lot that has been, that's been torn away that's been um, that's been um, um, erased, not acknowledged. Mm-hmm. A lot of authors, a lot of practitioners, mm-hmm. a lot of religions. Um, yeah, it's it's sad, but at the same time, I feel that um, it invigorates me, it motivates me, inspires me more, as it probably does for you too, as an artist. Knowing with your journeys that what we do today as an artist is just as important to make sure that we allow the people to know that this knowledge is just as important as any other science or any other, um, you know, um, industry that's out there that maybe looks at it as being, Oh, that's just arts and culture. Mm -hmm. No arts and culture is actually what's going to help us, uh, grow in the 21st century to prevent wars. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, or rebuild, or, or rebuild, or rebuild or, society that's been torn away and dis- dismantled, and absolutely, yeah. You know, we. Um, I was at a convocation today, and um, President Adams. He was quoted uh, by one of our deans saying that, um, you know, um, art in the in the and President Adams back in the day said something about his his uh, his children are going to learn are going to learn um, mathematics and, uh, and business 
so that way their children can learn, um, you know, other professions so that way their children can learn. And he brought in arts and culture at the very end. And the dean was like, you know, we need to flip that. You know, we need to flip that. We need to make arts and culture first. So that way that our art and culture can actually be what brings diverse cultures and communities together to prevent uh, war, to to prevent uh, genocide, to prevent all these other, um, you know, practices that are that are really dehumanizing or or eradicating us. Um, You know, what if this world placed arts and culture at a higher place? At a higher um, status. It's Could hard. you imagine like walking out and knowing that everyone has your setup in their house <laughs> where you have instruments, where you have, you know, um, poems and, and, and literature like, yo, like that would be dope to live in that type of society. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's. Um, yeah, that'd be dope. I would like that. <laughs> Maybe one of these years. <laughs> it'd be, maybe, maybe one, one of, these, one of years. these years. It'd be very, I don't know, I would assume it'd be very harmonious, you know? But, uh, no. I mean, to a certain extent, it is like that, but probably not to accept yeah. that we need it by. Yeah, I, I think it's getting, I feel like everything's getting better. I feel like with every generation, we take it a little bit further. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think with, uh, with salsa dancing, the newer generations are taking it a little bit further. I feel like, um, you know, in speaking with you with regards to how you're taking film and how you're taking uh, documentaries and, and really highlighting those that are, that are, you know, reimagining industries, whether it's, you know, coffee or whether it's, you know, salsa dancing and really putting it in a place where, you know, you're, you're allowing uh, the transparency of processes to be more uplifted and, and seeing that there's more than meets the eye than just getting, <laughs> the Dunkin' Donuts coffee. But then, you know, there's so much that goes to infusion. Yeah. And I feel like that's the same way when you ask me, David, you know, tell me about the last piece that you made. You know, it's not just a Latin contemporary dance uh, choreography. You know, mm-hmm. there was so much more deeper elements in creating that, you know, a journey that was associated with that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, looking, listening to the music and adding storytelling into it. And what is it about you know, reversing and reimagining what a basic can be. Mm-hmm. And for me, like those innovators or those, those practitioners that want to further the progression of our craft, you know, I really admire respect all practitioners, but I really admire respect those that are upending the normative mm-hmm. to create, to create, to create a, an identity that is theirs or to create their, or, you know, to put something into the, in, that's theirs yeah. into the industry. Yeah. Cause that's, cause I think that is probably what the 21st century is needing more. I feel like every decade it, cha- it changes. And I feel like the 2020s, oh my God, I can't believe I'm already saying that. <laughs> I feel like that's the, crazy. I feel like <laughs> the 2020s is where your generations are going to be helping support reimagining how we look at the world, not from a top-down perspective, but how everything coexists and interacts with each other. Mm-hmm. And how the layering and the process of something is just as important as buying. It really is just as important so that way when I go buy a coffee, I'm intentionally buying something because I know that there's a story behind it. Or I'm intentionally going, you know, I, I need to buy this. Yeah, Because I think consumerism is our vote. Going to a social dance is just as the same as as as, as important thing mm-hmm. as your vote to uh, to elect someone, 
as your vote to, uh, to uh, enroll into school again. Like, you know, our vote is each social dance. Our vote is to be a part of community. Your also vote or non-vote is your presence not being there. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think we, need really, we really need to think that because as social practitioners or our artist practitioners, our vote counts. Your participation counts. Your social dance counts. Like when I was going back, your, your, your walk around, you know, yeah. wherever space you go to and asking that one person to social dance, that's your vote. Mm-hmm. That's your vote saying that this is important. You're important being here. This whole, this whole environment's important here. You know, my vote to see your documentary about infusion, that's important. <laughs> you know, that extra interview, that is another vote, right? So how we construct contextualized decisions or informed decisions is just as important as the participation of it. So those artists that are creating the informed uh, consumer, I mean, I'm like, yo, like that, that is, that is the route we have to go to. Now we don't need the FDA to tell pharmaceutical companies, yo, we need 50, 50%. We need 50% you selling your marketing, your product, and we need 50% disclosure. No. Why, why does it have to be some outside agency telling us how, how uh, ethical we have to be with our artistry. We should all be ethical about it. Mm-hmm. And I think ethical questions are, are the discourse is coming up. And it's, and it's coming up with the salsa wars as well, the salsa discourse. Just as important, it should come up with Phoenix. For me, I think that's the beauty about Phoenix is that Phoenix is transparent. Maybe because of its size, but I think the art community here is transparent. You see, mm-hmm. what you see is what you get. Yeah. Versus some other places in LA, yo, man, that's Hollywood. You go to New York City, <laughs> yo, man, there, there's boundaries that you gotta like, you know, those people are, are they have their defense boundaries that you have to get through. Yeah. Every community has its own different way. And I, I, I'm not sure if you feel that way, but I feel like with Phoenix, it's very translucent. I think it's a great thing. And at the same time, it, I can see that. And I also think it's, you know, the geography we're in, we're in a desert. And so we're all in this desert, in this heat together. <laughs> Yeah, we are. In, I think the the geography lends itself for the artist, not even artists, for a community, community and yeah. in greater whole, to be forced to get to know each other, mm-hmm. whether now, we like it or not. Now we're in a we're a conglomeration of cowboys, vaqueros, natives. <laughs> it's um, you know, I, I'm from the Midwest. I lived in LA for about ten years. Uh, my family's from Colombia. I have to see. I have to say that uh, I've been here living now for 12, uh, 12 years. People ask me about you know about moving or you know am I going to stay around here? Yo, I love Phoenix. Like I love this city. Yeah. And I love it for the same reason what you said. I think the I, I think because we're isolated as a city, it gives us an opportunity to um, to really experiment. To experiment with our identity, experiment with ourselves to find new ways. Um, and when other artists come in town, they feel it. And oh, I think, and I, I think, love that. And I think f- people feel, I think people feel that there's a distinction, there's a difference. There's something different that's brewing here in, uh, in Phoenix. Oh yeah, they, I mean, they're better. I didn't move back over here for no reason. <laughs> right? I mean, I think, yeah. um, I don't know if you ever heard of this where like if you give a name to a child, they are raised to kind of embody that name. Mm. Uh, I think, I mean, I guess that's why branding is so big here, especially in the 
the states, but Phoenix, you know, Phoenix, the old mythology behind Phoenix rising out of the ashes. Um, I do believe Phoenix is going to be like a beacon of uh, the next big city that's yeah. doing something big. You know, yeah. we have New York, we have L.A., which they're great. You know, we, we love those big cities. But Phoenix is going to be something else that shines probably a little bit brighter if why, I want to boast a little that, about why it. Why do you think that is? Because I, I think we all say it. Mm-hmm. And I think I have an idea. But, but what, what do you think your idea is? Because I, I have an idea that why that well, might be as well. I'm not sure if I have so much of an idea, but like just the vibe I'm picking up, just like you know what my intuition is saying, yep. and the, which is why yep. it got me. I didn't want to come back over here in the first place. I was born and raised here. I'm like, oh, I already know Phoenix. That's my home. I'd always could just come back with my family and friends, and you know, it's I want to go out and learn. But some for some reason, I had to come back. And you know, I think there's a lot of variables. Yeah. Just like how we already mentioned, yeah. it's a desert. Um, it's uh, it's it's a sweet spot of not too, I mean, I guess it might be hot for some people, but we're not, you know, burning outside all day. And, you know, we're, we're pretty diverse. Uh, it could be much more diverse, which I yeah. think it's coming because our cost of living is really good compared to California and New York. So more people are coming yeah. down here. Yeah. That's why development's bringing in, which is going to bring more diversity. And um, we, have, we have the space. We have the space yeah. There's, um, to welcome others. I think to add to exactly what you're saying... Um, Coming from an outsider, now I'm becoming an insider. I, I probably it's because you know I, I, my home is here, um, <laughs> but I think it's beyond that. Um, I, I feel like it's the way we navigate and the way we continue to push back against the political elements that are happening. Mm-hmm. We have the border, literally, you know, hours from here. Uh, there's civil strife. There's also, um, you know, we see a lot of you know economic growth. You know, I feel like there's all these values that are happening outside of our city. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we, we are just a microcosm of all that is happening in the states and even outside of states, outside of the states. Um, and I think the way we're navigating it could help other cities learn about how we navigate through the milieu, the milieu of everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. And I, I just wonder, it's not just I wonder, I know it's happening. I, I, and I think... Our leaders, not just those in government, but also the way we lead in our communities, um, we're helping generations learn how to cope. We're also learning. Oh yeah. We're mm-hmm. helping them learn not just to cope, but how to um, create survival strategies and mm-hmm. also uh, how to be therapeutic within their communities, within them themselves. You know, our bodies are transformed in a different way in the city than elsewhere, which is exactly what you're lending mm-hmm. to with, with you know our. The, the weather and, and, and the way we celebrate together. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's more people that dance during the, during the <laughs> wintertime than, you know, yeah. uh, indoors than out, you know, during the summer. So, like, we also have to cope with, you know, the, the, uh, the issues of being here in a desert. I think all that is strengths for us as a community. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's callous. Maybe it darkens our skin. I don't know what it is, but I feel that um, living here 12 years, like, I'm so excited not just to be a part of the community, but seeing where we're going to go. Oh yeah, I'm I'm very much excited as well. Because um, now that I, I think about it, you know, a lot of stuff happens on the coasts, East Coast, West Coast. That's where like a lot of stuff happened, a lot of repercussions. Yeah. They had to learn on the spot, and yeah. as it trickles down within the states, um, you know, we probably had a little bit more time to think about it and approach, you know, consequences, whether it be. Yeah. 
you know, building a harbor out of nowhere and then, like, developing streets that were originally horse tracks and, you know, and really have more time to think about, all right, how are we going to build a city for people? How are we going to build a society that's actually a community? And in the desert, you know, you're going you're gonna to have to watch yourself. You, you want to make sure you're okay, you're going to survive. And so we have these homes, we have these shelters, and, and we already have that in our brains, like you're going to burn out to a crisp out there, so yeah. we, let's build this for our community to not burn. And, and, and we're seeing it. Yeah. I, mean, you're, you're, I think we were talking about it a little bit earlier. You see the buildings going up, mm-hmm. and you see people having to migrate outside of those spaces. You see Roosevelt Row, you know, once you know, a, uh, a pillar of the community for artistry, for artists. Now that, you know, gentrification and, and all those buildings coming up, like, like you're physically seeing the buildings come up, the yeah. material come up, mm-hmm. and then you're physically feeling the migration of people coming out of those spaces. Oh, yeah. And, and for me, like, we're learning about how, you know, how do we negotiate that? Mm-hmm. You know, what type of decisions? How are we making these decisions? How are we being appropriate, inappropriate? Like, how are we really galvanizing our communities to fight that or to survive under that? And I don't think most cities, most cities are either too large or too big, mm-hmm. or you get lost in the shuffle. I feel like here, because of, like you said, geographic boundaries, because of the, um, the size of our city, we feel it because we are in it. We mm-hmm. see it. And it happens right down the street. It happens literally right, <laughs> right down the street. Right down the street. Yeah, it you're, does. You're here, you're yeah. here on a... Uh, right over the bridge, on the two, right. right before the 202. Here's huge... Here's baseline. Guys, yeah. And you, saw, you see it. Your baseline. I remember I moved out here. Uh, what is it? Uh, 202 and 101. That whole area wasn't the way it was. Like, I remember... Uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Tempe Marketplace came up. Next thing you know, now you have that whole area being yeah. uh, revitalized. But to what extent now? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think there is, there's a consequence to every decision. There's a consequence to our beautiful land that's around us. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, we're so close to it. And there's a reverence to it. But at the same time, you know, what is being, what's being delineated out of our culture? Because, because you know, economic situations are happening. Yeah. yeah. And for us, like our biggest question with newer generations, like how do we sustain that? Like talking about sustainability and water sustainability, what about cultural sustainability? Like I think that's going to be one of our biggest um, challenges in the 21st century because mm-hmm. it's being pushed out. It is. So how do we be a part of it? Like how does economic support the arts? How can those spaces not just be for economic growth but also for artistic growth and cultural growth? Um, well, I guess we start with a history class right before your salsa class that you teach on Thursdays. And, uh, oh, and <laughs> well, we'll see. Oh, and, and here's the beautiful thing: the Deuce. If you don't mind me uh, mentioning, uh, the owner, uh, the owner Steve and his wife are from Chicago. They moved out here um, quite a few years ago, and in 2006, 2007, they they saw that building. It was just an old, rundown uh, warehouse, South Side. Uh, right, right up there off uh, on uh, Central and Lincoln, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. and they saw that as being a space where they could, you know, re- renovate. They decided that the whole idea of a prohibition bar, it could be, and it's large enough where they sell uh, they sell their their uh, their clothing attire there. And at the same time, you know, they put in a they put in a bleachers. They have a they have a boxing ring. Um, but his vision was, you know, it could be a place where communities could also be a part of. Every Tuesday, believe it or not, they have uh, they have uh, East Coast Swing there. They have Lindy Hop oh, there yeah. every I, Tuesday for the I past five years or I six years. I took a swing years. class over there one time. 
I think, and he's really reaching out. I think he reached out to the country western community so that way oh. they could do a Wednesday night there. Like he's a huge advocate of really supporting the arts, knowing that his spot. You know, there's times in, on Thursday nights for Latin night that we, we can't be there, but that's because you know the place is being uh, bought out by by a, and it's being used by a corporation. Mm-hmm. But he has been so like helpful to supporting and growing the salsa community, and we need more of that. Yeah. Like we need more locations like that, not just for salsa, but for. For, that's that's um, exciting. For that, up, up and coming, rising uh, new artists, uh, installations, you name it. I love to hear when people see something, they don't see it as a rundown, jankity. Like they, they have a vision. They, it's, they see it's, it's something more. And I love to hear about people creating that space for more people to come and exchange culture yeah. and do swing dance, do salsa. And I still yet to see how they, they use the boxing ring. <laughs> Yeah, but that <laughs> it's I love that spot. I love the deuce. But yeah. yeah, once I and it's like it's downtown, but it's a little bit south of downtown. Yeah. So it's like it might be in scarier parts, but once you get in there, the vibe is loving, welping, welcoming, friendly. Absolutely. And, and it's a very counter-normative way uh, for him to do business that it separates himself. It makes it very unique for him compared to his other competitors. And at the same time, that vibe translates over to the dance community. It does. The social dance community. And I'm just thinking to myself. Can there be more of that? Like, yeah. and not just salsa, mm-hmm. but can there be more where there? And I'm sure there are other relationships like that, that are happening, where you have commerce establishing relationships with local artists, so that way you have this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, and in Phoenix, you can do that. You can do that here because it's you know it, it's it's still small enough and big enough mm-hmm. that you can still make that happen. And I think that's the beauty about Phoenix. That is the beauty about Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I totally agree And we've that. got a freaking big ass, we have what, the largest university in the world? Uh, oh my God, Or, or yeah. in the United States, one of them, uh, in, uh, in, in downtown Tempe. Like, yeah. I feel like, um, and there's just, I think there's so much around us that as an artist, you can draw on so much inspiration and motivation to create your art here. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm here, for the long, <laughs> I'm here for the long haul, God willing. Yeah. God willing. Well, same here. I definitely love Phoenix, and I guess we gotta make sure we could make sure we could establish our community, and I mean not establish, but really just like what we talk about, make sure we don't lose yeah. the wisdom of ceremony and rituals of yeah. all these cultural exchanges of dancing, the artistry of either painting, drawing, oh, and, yeah. and all that. So you know, it'd be it'd be amazing, and I'm sure. People have thought about this, but it would be great to have. It's one thing to have a cultural center, and there's tons of cultural centers in Phoenix. I'm not saying there's not there's yeah. not out there, but wouldn't it be? I mean, it'd be it'd be fantastic to actually have a center that was run by artists for artists for the artist community. And if there is a way that to eliminate the political <laughs> bureaucracy of it and the economic element. It'd be great because, you know, I think that's the one thing that's separating still artists and making their art fine art mm-hmm. is that separation where, you know, who's to say that you made it? Meaning, does that mean that your art needs to be at Mesa Arts Theater or at Phoenix, you know, Center of the Arts? Or does that mean that, you know, when you get to uh, the Herberger Theater, mm-hmm. you know, that you made it or, you know, that that is. And I feel like those spaces are just as dividing as it is what's really happening here locally. Mm-hmm. Right it'd be great streets. to it'd be great to have those spaces available for all yeah. artists. 
Even, even it's funny d- how you say even that. During, even during the downtime when they bring in all the sophisticated artists that are traveling, yeah. you know, and making, you know, that, that's, that program directors have, have put on their list years, right? Mm-hmm. Years ahead. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens in, in the future of Phoenix. But it's funny how you say that. There's some people I know that are trying to help out the, the local artists, the local community to, yeah. to do that. So... Yeah, I think it, some good ha- some good things are happening. I, I I believe so, and having this podcast is is definitely a great way of being able to do that. Um, so what? Let me ask you this: Are you uh, are you going salsa dancing tomorrow night? <laughs> you going to the Deuce? Um, Probably not. But well, no, no, we're, we're open throughout the summer. So. Yeah. Okay. Very nice. No, actually, um, Thursdays I can. Thursdays tomorrow. Th- I mean. My schedule has been so busy lately, but you came out and made time for me to get on this podcast, which I'm so thankful for. So, of course, yeah, I'm going to reciprocate it the next day over <laughs> roll in that salsa class and, you know, put my salsa shoes on. Well, I, I, I think it's, uh, in, in listening to some of the other podcasts, I think, uh, the practi- I think your focus about practitioner, being practitioner-based and, um, you know, finding out how one becomes one. Uh, and just finding out stories. I think it's great. I think it's necessary. I think it's needed. And uh, I just want to say thank you for having this available for myself and others. Um, wow. No, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Because really if, if, if one story can resonate to another, you know, hopefully there's other artists, as I was listening to other artists, be inspired by uh, what, what other people are, are thinking about and what's working for them. And, and then if, I think also how they're contextualizing uh, spaces that we're in. Because, you know, the more we understand the way we, view the city and the view our communities the easier for us to really kind of navigate those spaces and be able to insert ourselves in in those places so yeah yeah it's helpful well thank you so much for being on the podcast this was a very very good podcast long awaited because i mean i've tried to get my other salsa friends and fanatics and on here but i got the beacon of the salsa community Uh, right here (laughs) on this podcast oh man Um, i don't know about beacon but uh you know Maybe, like, I hope that one of these days, you know, my the ultimate goal would be that I never stop dancing or that people never think that they have to stop dancing because of their age or because of where they are within their life. Brenda's still going on. She's, absolutely. Yeah, she's, yeah, and that's Brenda, Larry, like, and, the, you know, we have so many new people like Lawrence Garcia. There's Brandon Odom. Like, there's so many great instructors out there that are, uh-huh. that are new generation coming in. And then Brenda's still old school, still doing it. Like, it's phenomenal. Um, she loves mojitos. Oh, Whenever I go to the Wednesday or Sunday oh, classes of Dave and Buster's, she's like, you'll see me at the Barging Mojitos. And she, she's, she's hilarious. She's awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really no, good she's teacher. been doing this for years. Years. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people got their start because of her. And I think that's the thing is that everyone gets their start from someone, whether it's your family, whether it's, you know, a teacher, uh, an instructor, uh, and I think as artists, as we practice, we also need to know that, uh, I think it's great that we also know that by teaching other people, they could also, you know, have this, have a similar journey like us, so mm-hmm. she is part of your journey, <laughs> I'm a part of your journey, I'm yeah. very honored, and also, you know, uh, all of you guys, Lawrence, you know, Yana, Lawrence, Yana, you, Brenda, yeah. yeah, and I think it's the beautiful part is that there's a journey and there's a story behind everyone's, you know, uh, path. Mm-hmm. So I'm very happy to be a part of yours. This is great. This whole setup here. <laughs> Appreciate it. Awesome. Well, I could keep going on and on. Um, but unless 
unless you have, I'm sure you have places to be. Do you have any, any shout outs? Any, anybody you want to uh, recognize or uh, notify people that you want to? Yes, yeah, so I would say, uh, I'm going to uh, say that um, maybe in two years from now, I'm going to ask for another interview. <laughs> and, that'll, and that'll be after my dissertation. So oh, okay. Let's say, oh, yeah, that'd say be great. after I complete my Report. dissertation, yeah. I'll come back. And that way I can uh, share some good news. Uh, yeah. And then also... Those uh, are always nice to see the, <laughs> the time lapse and the difference. And I would say shout outs to uh, all those that uh, were a part of Stilo Dance. Because that Stilo uh, Dance was my dance company for, uh, for about 10 years. And we had our 10-year anniversary. Uh, so those dancers that were a part of my journey... Uh, awesome. The dancers Amazing. that I've taught uh, throughout the years that either were part of my dance company or that pre-ASU, um, even my, my director, Sion, uh, all of the dance community members in Los Angeles, um, and then even uh, ASU and, and my new family there because uh, that's been just a very rewarding experience being part of that university. A uh, lot of growth and then also beautiful students that I've come in contact with you, Michael, and of course others that have been... Um, so committed to the journey of not just my journey, but also the journey of how salsa could be represented mm -hmm. also in non-street areas and really making uh, salsa uh, a place of scholarship and, and academic um, uh, vitality. And I think of how, you know, all those uh, people uh, within the community is helping support that. Thank you, everyone, family, friends, my mom, dad, sister, all my first instructors, my tios, my tias, and also my primos, <laughs> my primas. Uh, yeah, and then also the future people that are going to be in contact with me, whether it's a social dance, going to the Deuce, uh, Sam, uh, or even those that, um, you know, my future students. Shout-outs to all y'all. And also shout-outs to all the other local artists there that are making chance, making new chances and new experiences in the city. Wow. And then infusion, infusion for the awesome uh, cold oh, yes. brew. And then shout-out to even <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts. Because <laughs> I'm drinking a Dunkin' Donuts right now. <laughs> And shout out to you too as well, Michael. You're doing a great job with this uh, and, and helping share the people uh, with this knowledge. So I appreciate it. I, I could do what I can. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I totally want us to further pursue that, uh, um, that mission to make sure we could create a culture, a, a, a community that's not afraid to you know, put themselves out there and, and exchange and learn from one another. So that, I think that's, uh, that's awesome. That's also in my books. So. Oh, and come out to, uh, if you go to dancing, you see Michael dancing, <laughs> start start forming a line and make sure, no, that, no, he, no, no, make no. sure that he's <laughs> asked to dance nonstop songs because this guy's an awesome dancer and uh, a musician. So if you see Michael out in the wings, make sure he's not standing. Make sure he's <laughs> dancing. Give me no breaks, huh? No, no breaks. breaks. No, okay. no, not whatsoever. All right. I'm about to lose five more pounds then. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, hey, yeah, thanks again for uh, being on this podcast and sharing cool. your perspective. That was a really good one. <laughs>